What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode seven of season two. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it is your boy, virtual Brundog. Kurt, I'm going to give it up to you. Why am I virtual? You're virtual, Bruno, because uh, like most things in 2020, we've had to uh, call an audible and we've had to... Omaha, Omaha. (laughs) Omaha. (laughs) Alert. Brady's like tapping his helmet. (laughs) Alert, alert. Um, Basically things are a little bit different right now because your boy has accepted a new job and he, I am down uh, not close to Bruno anymore. Um, So the in-person stuff is going to be somewhat of a challenge going forward. So we are testing out uh, Squadcast. Shout out Squadcast. We're a fucking squad and we're casting. This is true. If you're, if you're hearing this on Wednesday or whatever day you listen to it, Squadcast pulled through. If you're hearing this, Kurt did good. If you're not hearing this, A, what a shame. B, I probably fucked up. And C, we're not going to use Squadcast again. But hey, we won't know till tomorrow. Well, Kurt might know sooner. But you, yeah, well, they'll be hearing it today, whenever that day is. Yeah, time's mine. (laughs) What do you say? Time is a social construct? Yeah, true. And uh, projections, projections. Well, that's always true. Yep. But Bruno, week six in the NFL. Uh, I feel like I say this every week, but it brought a lot of uh, a lot of weird things, in my opinion. Well, I mean, I know one thing that was weird. Uh, it's October, and the Patriots are under 500. I don't want to bury the lead. There's a lot of games. Usually we talk about Patriots last, but I'm just saying that's probably the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Bruno, first time since 2002. I was six. Was 2000, like, that's basically ancient history, Kurt. It might as well be ancient history. I was six. Yeah, Kurt, I was seven, so that's the math. <laughs> math, guys. Wait, wait, we already did math, and we're two minutes into the podcast, Kurt. Oh, my. All right, no more. That's it. We're done. Yeah, enough math. Enough math. Here's what. Here's something you don't need a lot of math knowledge for, though. When you score no points, you typically don't win games, and that's exactly what happened with the New York Jets. So <laughs> We're starting with that, Kurt? Oh, my God, did I'm so dirty. I had to. <laughs> Um, so the Dolphins blanked the Jets 24 nothing. I literally, it's just getting funny now watching the Jets. Or I don't even watch them, but just listening and seeing how badly the Jets play each week. Yeah, and this has been said before, but just it bears repeating, right? Adam Gase was hired because he was an offensive coach. He was supposed to be good on offense. Kurt, last time I checked, the requirements of being good on offense start with scoring any number of points. It's not possible, but I would even take one point to start that conversation. They have not even entered the chat for starting that conversation. <laughs> they are so unbelievably bad. It's it's sick. And everyone, I remember when Adam Gates was hired, it was like, what a great pick for the New York Jets. It's going to bring Sam Darnold out of his shell because Todd Bowles was previously like a defensive guy. And everyone's like, oh, they need someone in there who's going to know offense and know how to utilize his quarterback. And they bring in this bum. This absolute bum. And uh, I think the Jets are destined for like a, I don't want to say it, but could they potentially be 0-16? I mean, the potential is strong. If you're a Jets fan, you're probably phrasing that as they're destined for Trevor Lawrence. So I guess that's the uh, light at the end of the tunnel there. But yikes. I mean, while we're here along this ride, yeesh. Let's let's flip the script onto the Dolphins for a second. So the Dolphins... uh, Bruno, 
don't look now. Don't look. You're, I mean, one eye. But the Dolphins are in second place in the AFC East. Yeah. First of all, that's another crazy stat. Second of all, I mean, I don't have a ton to take away from this game for the Dolphins, but I'm sure you saw the news, as did everyone, right, that broke today. Dolphins moving forward, naming rookie Tua. I'm going to leave the pronunciation of the last name up to you. Tunga Viola. Tunga Viola. <laughs> Nailed it first. Try. Tua Tunga Viola. Tunga Viola. Just, Viola, I think. We're going to call him Tua T. <laughs> Let's just call him Tua. Let's just call him Tua. Tunga Vailoa. That so, was what I was looking for. Right. So he entered the game at the end of the blowout, which was kind of cool, I guess. Cool to see him play. Didn't do anything too crazy, but, you know, played, got into the game. But then the weird thing, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree. It's not like Fitzpatrick has been bad. So they're putting Tua in when it's not like you can say that he's been doing anything to deserve not playing anymore this is just a move i feel like purely for the benefit of tua and for the the future of the dolphins but right yeah. now like it's not like anything right now is going wrong to say like right. tua in. dolphins are three and three uh fitzpatrick has done enough i feel like to remain the starter but i guess brian flores feels like you know they're heading into a bye week maybe tua gives them the best chance to win going forward and you know obviously we don't see practices so perhaps two is being uh, fantastic in practice and the Dolphins are like, okay, if we want to make a run at this, you know, we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. We know what he'll give us. Let's see if Tua can kind of take a step. But um, I was surprised by it. I'm surprised now. I, I, do you see the picture of him sitting on the 15-yard line? Yeah, that was really nice. You know, FaceTiming his parents, I think. And, like, that was a cool moment for sure. Um and, like, I agree with you that, like, potentially this could be a springboard. You know, he brings in – they bring him in now when, like, they're, they, I guess, are, like, trying to win, I guess you could say. And, like, they have their QB, so it's not like they're tanking for Lawrence either. Like, I guess you could look at this as, as a good thing. But I just wonder, like, you know, say they start to regress a little bit. A, are you just sticking with Tua automatically? Or B, what's this say to the players on the Dolphins who are, like, fighting and playing hard now? It's like, oh, yeah, like, you're, you know, we're having a season where we could possibly make some noise. Let's just put to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that says moving forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I think it's important to note, too, Miami has the Houston Texans' first-round pick, and Houston's currently 1-5. in five. So they're going to have a couple pretty good first-round picks, it looks like. Um, I thought I think it's Joe. I think it's hilarious that Joe Flacco is still in the NFL. <laughs> Every time I see it, it makes me laugh. I just can't believe it. He looks terrible in green, and the jet. Uh, he makes the Jets so much worse, but somehow also entertaining. Oh, it's it's almost must see TV because of how bad it is. <laughs> I would. I uh, wonder what's if some Jets fans that we know would agree with that being must see TV or not. But hey, as Patriots fans, we have that luxury. Yeah, they're damn right. And we're not going to talk about being only one spot ahead of them in the division. No. what do you, Kurt, I said specifically no more math. And last time I checked, that's math. You're right. Uh, moving on, Bruno. The Falcons get into the win column for the first time with a 40-23 to victory over Minnesota. Uh, Falcons are now 1-0 without Dan Quinn. So they are quinless, but they are no longer winless. If you just came up with that on the fly, I don't you're a, a wizard. <laughs> well, I said I said last week that they were quinless and winless. So it's just a little callback. In the biz, we call that a callback, Kurt. That's just a callback <laughs> to my joke from last week. Well, hey, look at you connecting connecting the dots. Um, Bruno, is it time to label the Vikings absolute pretenders? Yes. Yeah, it's time. 
It's yes. Time. They're, one, they're one and five. It's time. Yes. It's time. I, you know, you go. Oh, I go. Okay, my turn. Um, I will say about the Vikings, it's weird though because there are some teams in their position where you could be like, there's just no chance of them being good. Like they don't have the talent or like there's just no potential. With the Vikings, like the potential is there, right? Like they have amazing yeah. parts on offense. They have a quarterback who by no standard is elite, but you know, he's not like like you know, some rookie who's never played. Like at least there's some experience and like he's shown flashes before, right? And then the defense is supposed to be good, but you know, that de- definitely underperforming, yeah. maybe some injuries. It's weird because again, like I said, the the potential for the Vikings is there, but like we've just seen consistently so far, it's just been a disappointment. Yeah, the Falcons had so much success throwing the ball. Matt Ryan, four touchdowns, 370 yards. Julio Jones went off. Um, About time. He got he got hurt, though, right? Didn't he get hurt or something? Oh, maybe. He, honestly, Julio Jones is always hurt, so yeah, I wouldn't correct, that correct. Correct. Bruno, I'm going to brag for just, just a second. Brag Don't, it up. Braggadocious of me. Um, <laughs> this is like the third time, third or fourth time this year that Justin Jefferson has gone off. And another game, nine receptions, 166 yards, two touchdowns. You remember on draft night how badly I wanted him, right? You did You did very much say, Bruno, I want the Patriots to have this guy on their team. And then I, it was blue balls to the max when the fucking Vikings took him the pick before the Patriots. I To this day, you cannot convince me otherwise. The Patriots were going to take Justin Jefferson at pick 23. He got taken the pick before, and the Patriots traded out of the pick. And just added up to the uh, list of times where we've just somehow had our situation with wa- drafting wide receivers fucked up because yes. that would have changed the, the course of that one real quick. Real quick. Also, Chase Claypool, I was like, Bruno, I want him. He's like a tight end almost out of out of Notre Dame, and uh, look what he's doing. So two points for Kurt on that one. Yeah, two, two points for the house of Katai. <laughs> was that a... um? How was that a Harry Potter reference? I was going for Harry. Well, it was a Harry Potter reference. The accent needs some work, but I, was, I it is a Harry Potter reference. I've never read a bo- Harry Potter book or seen a Harry Potter movie. Well, Kurt, uh, is it too late to quit a podcast in the middle of it? <laughs> Goodbye, Bruno. <laughs> See you later. We'll work on We're going to talk after the show about that. Let's let's yeah, try. To I'm such a, I'm fake. Right I'm fake. Speaking of fake and speaking of pretenders. What a um, the Jaguars have looked incompetent since their week one victory. They lose to the Lions 34-16, and I'm pretty sure you had a good way of summing up this game. Yeah, basically, if you had to decide right now what is the most irrelevant matchup in the NFL, like pick two teams to create the most irrelevant matchup, it's probably this one. Just for anyone listening, and I know it's millions of listeners right now, for all you millions out there, just honesty hour, I'm raising my hand. I watched not a single second of this game. I read not a single word about this game, and I know not a single thing about this game. So if that doesn't prove my point, I don't know what to tell you. DeAndre Swift went off in the game. Matt Stafford was meh, but Gardner Minshew couldn't get much going. The Jaguars just looked so incompetent, dude. So I, how did they win? Good thing for them that they won that first game because they could be the Jets right now. It's yeah, I think it just I think that also goes to show that like the Colts, we'll talk about the Colts in a little bit in a little bit, but I just don't think they're as good as I thought they were. Agreed. Agreed. But yeah, I, I have nothing else to say about that game. Let's move on. Um, in a game that I know we had a difference of opinion on, Bruno. Um, <laughs> a game that I thought was going to be super competitive, at least. Uh, the Steelers pounded the Browns. They pounded the dog pound 38-7. to 
Okay, so let's just get this out of the way. Yes, if you tune into our weekly pick six, I pick the Browns. In case you didn't know, Kurt has a lead on me for the picks. This is one of my classic like games that I kind of just needed to pick so because I knew Kurt was going to go with the Steelers. So I was like, I need this game to be a game that I get right and he gets wrong. Turns out I just added to the deficit. Browns <laughs> look absolutely terrible. They haven't won in uh, Pittsburgh in like about conservatively 170 years. They just didn't look like a football team. Yes, they're very injured. Uh, kind of stunted all their momentum that they had been building up. Kind of sucks for Browns fans because it's like the second you play like a pretty decent team, it's like you show that kind of effort. But I don't think their season's lost by any means, but it just goes to show that the Steelers are just, you know, they they know how to take care of business. The Browns are still figuring that out. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I I think Baker Mayfield looked really bad in this yeah. game. He only attempted 18 passes, Bruno. I, I don't know how, especially considering Nick Chubb was out. That's what I'm saying. It, he attempted 18 passes, and typically when you're down by double digits the entire game, yeah, you throw the ball. Yeah. But I don't know. They were down 28 to 7. I don't know. Excuse me. 24 to 7 at the half, and then they got shut out in the second half. So <laughs> did not improve after halftime. Simply not great for I will them. say, did he did he at some point get injured and taken out? Or am I making that up? I don't know. I, I think honestly he possibly hurt his legs or something. I don't know if he got taken out. That could explain the low throw count. Your point, regardless, though, he still looked like poo poo, even if yeah. he does. Stinky poo poo. Uh, the Steelers five and zero. Their offense is legit because of Juju and Chase Claypool, and even James Conner's been pretty good this year. Big Ben hasn't been that good though. He's been meh. Big Ben's been meh. That defense is carrying them. But you, I'm sure you saw Devin Bush, one of their key players on defense linebacker, I think, right? He's out for the season, torn ACL. That's going to hurt. It doesn't mean their defense, like you said, isn't like very, very good. It just means that's that's a tough blow for them. Oh, no, that's that's a big blow for them. Um, I think I think Minka Fitzpatrick makes that, makes that defense. I don't want to use the E word because I don't think they're there yet, but they're approaching an, uh, an excellent. That, that's another E word. Oh. And so... Uh, so we'll see. I'm not going to lie. When you said E, for some reason, my brain screamed Illuminati, but that's an I. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I was just telling you what comes into my brain. There's you know, no indulgence to that point. It's just that's what happened. Well, you you do have a humongous brain. Oh, thank you. You're that's welcome. Um, Bruno, there was a sloppy game in the Meadowlands, but at the same time, when isn't there a sloppy game in the Meadowlands? Uh, however... The Giants did get their first win in the Joe Judge era, beating the Washington football team 20 to 19. I don't have too, too many takeaways from this game. Uh, we did watch the entire thing, and it was incredibly boring. Um, I will say that the Giants, considering they're, they were an 0 5 team, they they play really hard for Joe Judge, which is good to see. But they're, this, the level of talent on both these teams is just not there. Yeah, um, I agree with you on that, and it's it's nice to see them at least putting some effort in and not just mailing it in. That might be partly due to the fact that they're literally at one and five, one game out of first place. Believe it or not, that's the NFC is for you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, my biggest thing coming into this week was like quarterback for the Washington football team. Obviously, it ended up being Kyle Allen, which like it was kind of like the least entertaining option to be honest, because it would have been wild to see Alex Smith start, and it also would have been wild to see Dwayne Haskins come back after you know being benched and all that stuff. Again, I don't think there's a ton football-wise to take away for it. I guess it's good that the Giants got a win, so now they can laugh at the Jets and be like, ha, 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 you're the other New York team that's winless. Good for the Giants. At least they can say that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, both these teams at one and five being a game out of first, absolutely hilarious. So we'll have to see how that develops. Did you catch any of this game, Bruno? Did you see any of it? I'm not going to lie. I didn't see. I saw the highlights on like a halftime of the game. Didn't so, watch any of it live. So Riverboat, Ron Rivera, they, the, I almost called them the Redskins. The football team scored a touchdown with like 30 seconds to go in the game. And rather than electing to kick the extra point, Rivera was like, fuck it. We're going for two. And he was like scrutinized for that call. But I like it. I like the call. Why not go for the win? Like I, I, I like the call. Then you're playing in the in the worst division in football. They're literally a game out of first place. Why not roll the dice? You know. Yeah, I I agree with that. Fuck it. I mean, how many times are the how many times is the Washington football team going to be in a position to win the game at the end of the game this year? Probably not that many times. Probably not. And like you probably have as good of a chance as any of your games of beating the Giants or you did. So yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that call. And again, like it's kind of almost like a cost benefit thing because like they would have loved to win that game, obviously. But the the cost of it is they're still a game at a first, even though they lost the game. This, so <laughs> this is a very good point. Very yes. very good point. Uh, bounce pack, Kurt. Words. They're not that hard. Bounce back game for the forty. Oh, for the 49ers uh, this week in a 24-16 victory over the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, any takeaways for you? I have one. Yeah, so I watched this game. Um, and thank, Credit to me for watching this game. Host of a football podcast, watching the game. Credit to me. Credit um, to this is one of those games that made me feel stupid, even though, you know, I always say even my hindsight's 2020. Uh, looking back, probably should have expected it, but... Coming into the game, the 49ers were coming off looking terrible. You know, we talked about last week, Jimmy G not looking good, their team not looking good. And then the Rams came into this game having a couple, you know, not like amazing wins, but they were on a roll. They had won a couple of games in a row. So I was like, oh, yeah, you know, my I had a friend, you know, shout out Matsky. He asked me who to, who to bet on this game. I said, you know, pretty confident in the Rams. Well, as uh, luck would have it, that did not happen. They kind of looked like poo-poo. The 49ers kind of came ready to play. I don't have a ton of takeaways from that sense other than I just love watching George Kittle play. That's my favorite thing about watching the 49ers. George Kittle is a goddamn specimen, and he is so fun to watch. He's such a good inline blocker, too. Like Everything he does with the ball in his hands and running routes is top of the line, but like his willingness to be a blocker, too, is what separates him from the Travis Kelseys of the world. Yeah, and I've I've heard George Kittle on a podcast before say he genuinely loves blocking. And like you can hear like, you know, lines from NFL players where they'll say stuff like that or whatever, and you can kind of read right through it where you're like, okay, yeah, sure, dude. You're just saying that because it's the thing to say. Yeah. With George Kittle, I like genuinely believe he just loves just going in and messing people up blocking. Yeah. Like he, it's not hard to see. He was on like he he gets uh wired up a lot, I guess, like the whenever they're playing on the weekends and like Fox wants to wire somebody up. <laughs> he's literally always like he's like a menace laughing when he's blocking it's like <laughs> yeah. it's so funny he lo- he loves it he just loves beating the shit out of people yep. um a bounce back game for jimmy garoppolo which he needed he needed it uh he got benched last week and then this week comes back those three touchdowns in the first half uh the the 49ers were up 21 to 6 and then the rams fought back but it wasn't enough and you know that the 49ers came out victorious. I in our pick six each week, uh, we could we switch off who picks the games or whatever. And I picked the games this week, and I didn't I didn't even put this game in there because I thought the Rams were going to beat them handily. Yeah. And uh, well, that's why you play the game, Bruno. 
That's why you play the game. Uh, and we're going to get a real close look at George Kittle this week, Bruno. Real oh, close. I, I hope we don't look too close. Yeah, too close for comfort, I would say. <laughs> I like watching him play. I don't want to see him play against us because I'm scared. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. <laughs> we're going to talk quickly about the most fraudulent team in the NFL, as Bruno likes to call them, the Chicago Bears. Somehow, some way, moved to five and one in the season by beating the Panthers twenty-three to sixteen. Shout out to us, big brain guys, for picking the Bears in this game. Uh, any takeaways for you? So wrap your brain around this. I've been calling them frauds for weeks. You've been mostly agreeing for the most part. We both picked them to win this week because we both thought that would happen. They did win. They're five and one but they're still frauds and they're probably going to go 15 and one at this point, And I'm still going to be calling them frauds. They're probably going to win the super bowl. And I'm still going to be here on episode 37,000 of uh, playing the field saying the bears are frauds. I don't know how to explain it there. I think Nick Foles had a great quote. It was something like, you know, would you rather win ugly or lose pretty? It's something along the lines of that, that he said after the game, they're winning ugly, but they're winning. So, I mean, at a certain point, it's like, are they frauds if they're just consistent in their winning? I don't know. I mean, it's never going to look great, but I mean, they're getting it done. That this That's a very good point. I don't know if you caught this or not, but Madden released um, like simulations. I guess they simulated every game over the next 10, 10 years. 10 years? 10 years. Who, I guess some who, were bored in court. Thinks, I, Kurt, I can't even comprehend what's happening in the next five minutes. I know. We're probably going to talk football. That's all I know. Maybe. Um, who, who knows with us? <laughs> Dude. So <laughs> they did a 10-year projection. And the Super Bowl this year was the Bears and the Patriots. Wait, so look, quick question. Was that a simulation before this season or right now? Right now. That is electric. I fucking love it. They had the Patriots winning it too. Kurt, fucking sign me up for that. Sign me all up for that. It would be, and again, it'd be, oh my, I don't, I was, I was going to say it'll be Nick Foles, Tom Brady again in the Super Bowl. But then my brain just bursted, and it's not. Oh my god! Well, you know what? I'm not going to complain about that because he just played him the other week and beat him again. So, uh, two and zero versus Tommy Boy. I I think, you know, the story of this game: this is the Bears forcing a couple key turnovers on Teddy Bridgewater, who, for a large majority, has done a pretty good job this season of you know being that game manager and not making the big mistake. And ultimately, the Bears defense put him in situations where they they were able to get some turnovers, but, um. I we I said this was must must watch TV, and I watched some of it, and I was like, "This isn't much must watch TV. This is must must not watch TV." Yeah, it was really really boring. Yeah, I will say on a serious note because I have given take given a lot of shit to the Bears. I mean, their defense is legit, and I think obviously, you know, I think it's more the Bears defense played really well than necessarily Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers played like horribly or anything. The Bears defense is good. I'll give them that. And again, their offense is just doing enough right now to like win games. So, I mean, we've seen, you know, the thing that immediately pops in my mind, like the Broncos, a dominant defense, and then Peyton Manning doing just enough to win on offense, right? So it's like we've seen that kind of formula before. Not by any means am I comparing those Broncos and these Bears. I'm just saying, like, right. I guess that can explain maybe perhaps why they're on a roll winning these games. Correct. I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, in the early edition of Monday Night Football, the Chiefs ran for 245 yards without Le'Veon Bell and route to a 26-17 victory over the Bills. I don't know about you, 
But for me, this game was more about the Bills than it was the Chiefs. And I think the Bills took a big step back last night, including Josh Allen, especially Josh Allen. Yeah, and it's been very fun, I guess, just from a football fan perspective, not necessarily from a Patriots perspective because we're in their division. It has been fun seeing the Bills their start to their first four games when they went four and zero, they were popping off. Josh Allen was throwing like a bazillion yards a game. It was just seemed to come so easy. And then the last two weeks, it's kind of come crashing down to earth. Not that I necessarily expected them to beat the Chiefs because again, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. We've known this. That sounds obvious, but they're they're just an extremely good football team. But I definitely, like you said, was expecting you know perhaps a little bit better of a showing from the Bills. I will say, like, I know, I think it was raining for a large part of the game, so maybe that had something to do with it. But, like, again, you have to be able to, like, you know, they always say about Tom Brady being able to handle snow in New England. You have to be able to play outside in the elements. So that's only, you know, an excuse up to a point. I think the the thing you the first thing you said where they ran for a bazillion yards without Le'Veon Bell, that's extremely important to note because, as people are aware, they are getting Le'Veon Bell. So the fact that they are able to do that without him is very scary, especially when you have, you know, what many people will say is the best quarterback in the league on your team. Right. It's literally stupid that the Chiefs are getting Le'Veon Bell. Like, it bothers me. Like, inherently bothers me. But I think, well, two things. I was rooting for the Chiefs in this game because after the Patriots lost this weekend, I was like, okay, I don't need Buffalo to start running away with this division. So, no, no. big loss for Buffalo. Um, and... A pretty good response to the Chiefs. The Chiefs had looked bad the last two weeks. They looked bad against the Patriots. They looked bad against the Raiders. They lost to the Raiders. And then they needed a performance, and they and they got a, a pretty good one last night. Um, Patrick Mahomes didn't throw for, you know, 400 yards like he normally does, but incredibly efficient, 21-26, 225, two touchdowns, both to Travis Kelsey. Hate him. Um, but Hate him. Josh Allen, eesh. Like you mentioned, you should be able to play in the elements. You went to Wyoming. It like snowed. It rained. Forget it, that. Yeah, it was gross out there. And you turn in a performance for against the Chiefs where you know they're going to need you. 14 to 27 for 122 yards. Yikes. I mean, humble brag. I threw for 122 yards in like sixth grade a bunch. Like it's not that hard to do. <laughs> Damn, like, Kurt, you didn't have to roast him like that. I, I didn't, but I did at the same time. And he also led them in rushing yards at 42 i will say seeing all right let's look at this from a patriots perspective bruno okay yep the patriots are very evidently a run first team you see the success the chiefs had running the football on baltimore on buffalo Okay, that's a that is a recipe for success probably going forward for the Patriots. You should watch that tape and be like, okay, we can do A, B, and C against against the Bills. So that that's something I did like about that game. Yeah, that's a great point. And in addition to that, um, we've seen the Patriots secondary, you know, other than maybe a game or two here or there, been playing pretty well this year. Gilmore has bounced back nicely after I think the Seattle game and has been playing really well since then. So yes. that is always something that I think is going to give a quarterback like Josh Allen, who struggles sometimes in his decision making and you know maybe can feel pressure to run when things are going his way. That's going to help us as well. So I definitely agree. Um, I think especially with Damian Harris like emerging, we didn't need another running back, but here we are with another running back who's good. Not to turn this into Patriots, but I I, I like what you are pointing out about the Chiefs blueprint to beating the bills applying to the Patriots as well no doubt um let's talk Ravens Eagles for a second the Eagles were incredibly beat up they got the injury bug 
And, um, you know, they were down. Ultimately, the Ravens won the game 30-28. to uh, But the Ravens were leading this game 17-0 at halftime. And the Eagles easily, easily could have packed it in. And they didn't, uh, even with the injuries. They... Um, they fought, man, and it, it's it was good to see. I if the Eagles can get healthy, I don't see why they couldn't win that division because the Cowboys look terrible, and uh, the division's wide open. So if they can get healthy and string it together, then who knows? But they uh they fought, they fought real really hard. Yeah, I that's a great point. Um, I watched a decent amount of this game. You know, again, credit to me. Please continue to heap praise upon me for watching NFL football games. Um, the Eagles looked like hot Tarsh in the first half, less Tarsh in the second half. They were, I, so they scored, they were down eight and they scored a touchdown with like two minutes left. And then they lost by two because they went for two and then didn't get it. It was probably like one of the worst two point conversions I've ever seen. It was pretty fucking terrible. I'm not going to lie to you, but still, I mean, like you said, they credit to them for not just folding and throwing in the towel after the first half. So I agree with you. If they can put up consistent performances like they did in that second half and if they can get some of their injured players back to healthy they are definitely going to look like the favorites in the nfc east i also like to flip this for a second though the ravens just kind of continue to like unimpress and i know they set very high standards from last year right lamar jackson mvp unreal just video game numbers all of last year it's no stretch to say he has not come close to replicating that this year. That's not a stretch to say. It's not like he's been necessarily bad. It's just he's looking – he, it's almost like he just came back down to earth. Like he just crashed kind of hard. I will say, like, not that I – you know, I think we need more of a – we need a bigger sample size. But, you know, the one time the Ravens played, like, a really good team in the Chiefs, they got destroyed, right? And now they play an Eagles team who is, like, decent and, like, they almost blow their big lead and almost lose. Like the Ravens need to establish themselves against some of the better teams, or they're just going to be one of those classic regular season teams that has a great record and then play one good team in the playoffs again and lose and lose. Yeah, no doubt. I uh, Lamar did six had success running the ball this game, which he hasn't had a, a lot of success doing this year. But um, uh, it's it's easy to see that the Ravens are a much tougher team to beat when you got Lamar being able to run the ball like that, but they really, they're five and one, but they really, like you said, they're meh. Yeah. I'm meh on them right now. They're not, they're not throwing the ball with much success. So we'll see what happens with them. We'll see. Um, hmm. Hmm. Uh, moving on to the Texans and Titans game. Wild game. Wild. So the Titans end up winning this one 42 to 36 in overtime couple takeaways. Number one, Mike Vrabel could be coach of the year. Facts. I mean, I don't know. I, I talk about this quite a bit um, when I get a little nerdy about things. The nerd alert. So I don't know if you saw it. It kind of blew up on Twitter. It blew up. Twitter. Oh, yeah. I know what you're going to say. Yep. Explain it. So it was second and one for the Texans um, late in the game, like three minutes to go in the game. Texans were driving second and one. Mike Vrabel puts a 12th man onto the field on purpose, like tells him to run out there. And then the te- the Titans were going to substitute, like the guy who ran in, someone was about to run off the field because like, oh, I'm out. Mike Vrabel like put up the stop sign. I was like, no, stay. And the guy looked so confused. He's like, we have 12 men on the field. So not only Math guy. did they have 12 men on the field, Mike Vrabel um, like sold it like he was angry, like pretended like he was angry. 
but it was genius because instead of letting the clock run all the way down and letting Houston pick up a second and one, which, you know, more times than not, second and one is not incredibly hard to pick up. So he stopped the clock and he gave them what had to be at least, like at least 40 more seconds. Well, those 40 more seconds in the game turned out to be huge because the Titans scored with four seconds left to force overtime. So you don't have all that extra time. You're probably not looking at going into overtime. So shout out for Mike Vrabel for being so well prepared that he thought of that. Um, it's just that's like next level shit. Yeah, and unfortunately, it brought back memories of the playoff game against us where he did a similar coaching tactic. We don't have to go there, but again, he's starting he to develop steal that from Belichick. Yeah, true, true. He's starting to develop his own reputation, like Belichick, of just having an intricate knowledge of the rules and not, you know. I guess you can say exploiting them, using them to your advantage. If you just know the rule book and know how to get around them, that's not your fault. That's just you being smart. So, yeah, yeah I I agree with that. Vrabel has been playing really well. The other thing to say about Vrabel is, and this kind of ties back to the Jets, so sorry again to pile on the Jets, but it's like you saw Ryan Tannehill on all those Dolphins teams. I don't think the entire time he was on the Dolphins, Gates was the coach, but for some of those years he was, right? And Tannehill looked Terrible. As Patriots fans, we know how terrible he looked, right? Yeah. And now he's on the Titans. And again, some of this is on Tannehill too. Like it's not all Vrabel and coaching, but like he comes to the Titans. Obviously, he was very good last year, and we were like, "Oh, is this a one-year thing?" So far this year, he's looked pretty damn good so far. So you could easily, easily make an argument that Ryan Tannehill could be the MVP right now. I mean, he's definitely in the conversation no matter what. And I agree with you that you could make that argument because. <laughs> Like, again, they're they're undefeated, and, you know, he if he's not playing at the level he's playing at, if he throws a couple more picks per game or, you know, turns it over here and there, like, they, not every game that they've won has been like that Bills game where they just destroyed them. They've had a lot of close games, right? And that, you know, the margin for error is so slim, and so far he's been up to the task definitely in, you know, piloting their offense. Bruno, he's 13 touchdowns, two interceptions, um, which is fourth best in the NFL. QBR of 83.2, fourth best in the NFL. A completion percentage at almost 70, third best in the NFL. I mean, throw his name in the conversation because it he's he's helping them go. Obviously, obviously the Titans are a run first team with Derrick Henry. But to have somebody like that with Tannehill who you can trust to not make the big mistake is huge. Yeah, no, I agree. And And speaking of running, right, so there's two points with that. First of all, Tannehill also is capable at running. Like we see a lot of quarterbacks who, you know, obviously aren't capable of running and that kind of limits them a little bit. Tannehill, not that he's a run first guy. He can do it, right? And that helps him too. But on the other hand, much like you mentioned in being a run first team, let's just take a gander at Derrick Henry's stat line. Uh, 22 carries, Kurt, for 212 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner hilarious he is unreal literally watching derrick henry play it's a men amongst boys it's a man amongst boys it's crazy you know that um big mac truck that cardi b talks about <laughs> wop yeah well sure do kurt it's derrick henry <laughs> he and he's going to park it in a big garage which is the end zone right it is it's once he start once he gets going you just have to toss yourself at his legs and hope he trips over you that's like how you tackle him on his 94-yard touchdown run, it was literally so absurd watching him open his stride and, like, gallop into the end zone. Literally. Was, they, there was some stat thing on, on Twitter that was, like, the cornerback that he outran ran a 4.35, like, 40. 
like absolutely flying. And Derrick Henry is this behemoth man at like six foot three, like probably two sixty, and he's running ninety four yards and outrunning DBs. It makes no sense. Just absolutely, as we like to say, ludicrous. Ludicrous. <laughs> Nailed it. We'll see if that timed up on Squadcast. We'll see yes, if that we'll timed see. up. We'll see. Um, I do think the Texans are playing much more inspired football under Romeo Cornell. Yep. But um, you know, I th- I think this the story here is the Titans. They're they're positioning themselves very well for another deep playoff run. One hundred percent. Uh, real quick, Colts and Bengals. Colts win thirty-one twenty-seven. I'm glad I didn't text you this, or maybe I did. I can't remember. I have no. My brain is mush. The Bengals were up twenty-one to nothing in this game. Twenty-one nothing. And then before you knew what happened, it was 24-21 Colts. I mean, uh, Bengals at the half. So the the Colts scored 21 points in the second quarter to get back in the game. And then did they they played fine the rest of the way and win the game. I was like, holy shit, Joe Burrow looks really good. The Colts are a bunch of frauds. I was so wrong about them. And then I I shoot on him a lot, but Phillip Rivers played very well. He played very, very well in this game. Threw for almost 400 yards, three touchdowns. Um, so definitely a bounce back game for him too. Yeah, and speaking of that, Kurt, I saw that the Bengals were up 21 to nothing over the Colts. And in my head, I have a distinct memory of being like, I should text Kurt and tell him he's an idiot because that's what Kurt and, like to, Kurt and I like to do. We like to call each other idiots, even though obviously we all know I'm the smart one and Kurt and whatever. Anyways, <laughs> I remember having that thought and then I think I got distracted. You know, I was checking fantasy, doing whatever else, like other stuff was going on. I forgot about the game. And I, in my head, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, they must be up like, you know, whatever, like a bazillion points by now. I checked back again. Whatever, I don't remember the exact time. And I was like, the Colts are winning this game. I like could not believe my eyes. Yeah. And so that is... It's like you kind of have to look at this. You could look at this in two different ways, right? On one hand, incredibly resilient and impressive from the Colts to come all the way back and win this game. On the other hand, the fact that they had to do that against the Bengals is in itself not that great. So it's like, I don't know, you know, like we we have been seeing, you know, they just lost to the Browns. Now they're having this game against the Bengals. It's like we're seeing that same thing. It's like what team really are like, what is this team? And it's we're going to have to closely monitor them moving forward because it's like they have, like you said, they've had a lot of flashes in the beginning of the season where they looked really good. But now it's like, is the, you know, is the coin flipping or whatever the phrase is? I don't know. We'll have to see what they look like moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. I I don't think they're as good as I kind of thought or expected them to be. But um, that's just kind of is what it is, I guess. I, I think that Joe Burrow is the real deal, though. I really do feel that way. I think he is um, that dude. That dude, I really do think so. Um, are you uh, are you ready to move on? Oh, Kurt, I am ready to okay. move on. So, the marquee game of the week was the Packers at the Bucks, and we took this game in our pick six, and we both took the Buccaneers coming off of a terrible loss to the Bears against an undefeated Packers team. Talked about going with your head versus your heart. I went with my heart. I don't know if you did. I'm assuming you did. And uh, Tommy Boy did not let us down, Bruno. Yeah, and it, it. I will say, though, it did not happen the way I thought it was going to happen. So credit to us for being smart and picking them to win. So that first of all, let's not get that twisted. But I don't think I was ready to see how well the Bucks defense played against Aaron Rodgers. And not oh, yeah. that... 
it was just very strange. I mean, it was strange for a lot of reasons, right? There were all these stats. I think Aaron Rodgers hadn't thrown a pick this year. Or he, even if he had, it had been very little. He threw two, like, almost immediately against the Bucs, like, in the it first was, half. It was, his se- it was his sixth ever multiple interception game in the NFL. Right. And obviously, even more strange, one of the interceptions was a pick six, which, again, he rarely throws those either. And then the other one basically was returned to, like, the one-yard line, and they, sure. Tampa Bay just immediately ran in. So it basically was a pick six. So... That was crazy. And like, I I guess my takeaway from this is that like, I almost, I'm not really sure because it feels like the Packers got punched and just didn't know how to respond. So that's like not a good sign for the Packers. But I also would have wondered what the game would have been like if like those interceptions didn't kind of happen and set the tone for the rest of the game. You know what I mean? Like it's, no, it's no weird. Doubt. It's weird. No doubt. I, well, the Packers are the first punch. They get up 10 nothing, and in the first quarter, I was like, uh-oh. Right. Um, and then just literally all hell broke loose for the Packers. Right. Have you ever seen Rodgers throw 19 incompletions in a game? Yeah, that was crazy. 16 of 35 for 160 yards and two interceptions. Right. And that he was like pressing. So like, yeah, that was a we- again, just added to the weird, like what I was not expecting to see. Yeah. And Brady, I there it's clear they're not going to ask him to throw for 400 yards a game down there. He was 17 to 27. 166 yards, two touchdowns. But Ronald Jones, that boy was running this weekend. So uh, good for the Bucks. They're clicking, and I have to mention this. Otherwise, I'd be a complete fraud. Rob Gronkowski looked like Rob Gronkowski. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. And I remember watching the game and seeing him catch those passes. That touchdown catch, beautiful. I know. So, like, I knew that's that got, That would have got me from – Six to twelve, real quick, with the Patriot, but they got me from like six to like seven. If, oh God, if yeah. that. Um, so yeah, no, that 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 is definitely true. I think another takeaway, I guess, just for the the Bucks, the obvious takeaway for the Packers is how are they going to respond, right? That's the obvious takeaway yeah. for the Bucks, though. It's this consistency. It's like they go from losing a game they probably should have won against the Bears, right? They did that last week, and now they come out and have this like a complete other side of the spectrum like dominant victory against one of the you know hottest teams in the NFL. So it's like what like are these bucks going to be able to d- develop this kind of consistency? I think they also said during the game like they really got their penalties under control, which is yeah, another thing did. that they had been like struggling with all season long. So like they can they can they find, you know, maybe if it's not at this that quite of elite of a level as they were against the Packers, but can they find that like every week consistency where they can minimize the penalties, play really well, physical defense, you know, establish the run. Tom Brady does enough. Can they do that every week is going to be what we're going to have to keep figuring out from these bucks to see if they're again, like, are they one of those teams that you're going to have to coin flip, see if they win or can we count on them to be there at the end of the season? Yeah, they're four and two right now, but they should be five and one. Like you mentioned, they had no business losing to the bears. So (sighs) good for Tom. I'm happy for him. <laughs> you can hear it in your voice. <laughs> I think it's static. Oh my god, I love it, Gert. I love it. Oh, fuck. I hope he wins another Super Bowl. I really do. Hey, I really it. do. If not us, him. Oh yeah. If not us, him. Hundred percent. But not Gronk. Not him. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, last but not least, before we get into the Pats game here, the Cardinals absolutely took a poop on the Dallas Cowboys, thirty-eight to ten last night. I was so excited for this game. We talked about this on Pick Six too. Like, whoa, this has potential to be such a good matchup. Uh, Cardinals, first time on Monday Night Football in so long. Can Kyler show out? That boy showed out. But he looked so bad at the beginning of the game. Started the game three for 12. Um, the Cardinals came out trying to throw a haymaker. Like, they were throwing the ball deep, 
deep, deep for like the majority of the first quarter and they weren't hitting. Well, boy, did they start hitting late in the game or the middle to late end of the game. Um, they they looked explosive on offense. It was cool to see. Yeah, and there's I, I guess there's like a couple points I want to hit on here and there, and you already made a lot of them. But first of all, not that this game looks close score wise, but again, the Cowboys scored a touchdown with like two or three minutes left. It should have been like thirty eight to three. Like it really, the Cowboys like the ten, the getting them getting double digit points was good for the Cowboys because it almost didn't get to that point. Amari Cooper, I think, cut a touchdown with like uh, a little bit of time left in the game. So there's, that's number one. Number two, like you said, Kyler, great job recovering. But some of the other pieces of the Cardinals who were playing this year and had some decent games, but like Kenyon Drake just went off this game. Yep. Like he looked out of control. Yep. Even Christian Kirk. like It's like everybody talks about DeAndre Hopkins. Everybody talks about Larry Fitzgerald. But Christian Kirk looked great this game. So that was you know that was really good to see from the cardinals because they're another one of those teams where it feels like there've been a little inconsistency in them and we've talked a lot about them all year but like if they can find this level that's going to be great for them but the other biggest thing that i want to say and i'm sure you, we'll get into this a little bit right i heard a lot of talk from experts from talk shows from articles whatever it might be a lot of talk about how like there's not going to be a drop off in play from andy Dal- from dak to andy dalton <laughs> Where are those people right now? Because he looked terrible. Terrible. He looked so bad. And I'm happy for Dak because, like, if Andy Dalton came out and played just as well as Dak, then it'd be like, okay, how are we really going to pay this man after he comes back from a gruesome injury? But it's like, no. And I know it was only one game, but, like, Dak, you can, it's clear to see what Dak does for that team. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I, I like the way you put that. I am happy for Dak, too, because it just adds to, you know, like I feel like he kind of gets disrespected sometimes. So put some respect on his name. He was a big reason why they're doing well this year. Obviously, like you said, it's only the first game of Andy Dalton starting, so we'll see how it continues. But, yeah, that's, you know, it's that Cardinals look great. And I guess the positive side for the Cowboys is they're still in first place. So yep. good for that. Um, like, real quick again, I've been so high on the Cardinals since the season started. The amount of hashtag weapons with a Z is unbelievable. And Kyler Murray, I'm so glad they drafted him because he he is ex- so explosive. When he's in the open field, forget about it. Yeah. He only, he, completed, he only completed nine passes last night and they scored 38 points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is he's just a walking highlight reel. Like oh. when you watch him play, so fun to watch. I know what I forgot to mention. In a game where Andy Dalton's starting, okay, you're the Cowboys yes. have to think, Yes. okay, we're not going to make him throw 40 times. We're going to give the ball to our best player and let him rock. <laughs> well, they give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott, and he was like, nope, here you go, Arizona. You take the ball. Yeah. He, kept, he, he, had the, he had fumbleitis. He kept, he kept putting the ball on the ground. Yeah, and that was crazy. I think that was how everybody saw this game potentially going. Like, if you thought the Cowboys had a chance, it was going to be through Ezekiel Elliott. I'm sure a lot of fantasy owners were salivating at the thought of him, you know, in this game, getting the ball a million times. And what did he do? Just fumbled it twice very quickly, let the Cardinals get out to a big lead, and honestly didn't even look that great. So I I had him in my league, my fantasy league, not our Gamble league. And um, I had him and Kyler and Greg Zerline. I needed, like, I don't know, 60 points or something. And no, not even like 52 points. Kyler got me 28. Literally, like just a decent game from Zeke, and like I'm right there. So it, a little bit frustrating, but um, yeah, whatever. Are you ready to move on to the uh, the big bad Patriots? 
yeah, I'm ready to move on from one disappointing performance from the Cowboys to another disappointing performance from the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, sad boy Bruno must be back. Yeah, sad boy Bruno is back, um, especially after sad boy Bruno on the weekly pick six said Patriots by a million or Patriots by a billion. Uh, again, I don't know what you all expect from me. I'm not a math guy. So, like, stop asking me, stop expecting me to get math correctly because that quite literally could not have been farther than the truth of what actually happened. Correct. Broncos win on the road 18 to 12, upset the Patriots. Bad, 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 bad loss for the Patriots. I don't remember a time I saw them look this incompetent since, well, the Chiefs game. Um, but really, just so much of my anger is rooted towards the NFL and the fact that they're the fucking people who put the Patriots on a plane, which have now caused the Patriots to have eight COVID related issues. They're down starters, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm not making excuses about that. What sucks is that not only are they down starters or whatever, but they're not even allowed to practice. Like the Titans were like, fuck that. We're practicing anyway. They're going to get fined by the league, but at least they practiced. Okay. Like the Patriots didn't practice and it was so evident. Like sometimes I I, I wonder to my I wonder to myself like how important is practice in the NFL if you're all that good? Well, it's pretty damn clear that practice is super important. Yeah, and that's a great point, and I think that's the perfect place to start, right? Like, there's a lot to talk about with this game. If you were, you know, and it's important that we are not just talking about this game in a vacuum, but we're looking at it in the context of what actually happened. Every single year, Bill Belichick has been the coach, and every single time we've done well. What do we always hear, right? Practice, practice, practice. Preparation is key. Yeah. Belichick is a master of game planning for the opponent. We'll change our game plan every week. He, you know, fits our puzzle pieces into just the right position to be able to put our team with the best chance of success, right? So in a way, again, hindsight is always 20-20, but in a way, not that we ex we should have expected it to be this bad, but like this is almost something we should have seen maybe as like a sign of trouble and that you're correct. We literally, I think it was what, we had one practice in two weeks and then we had like one a walkthrough the day before. 13 days, yeah. Yeah, which is insane. So and it like, was a really light practice. There was no hitting. There was nothing. It was really right. light. So on top of, right, on top of just normally only having one practice in 13 days, you have guys going on the COVID list. You have guys coming off the COVID list. You have regular injuries not related to COVID you're dealing with, right? So there's a bazillion moving parts going on here, right? And it must have just been chaotic. I'm sure they tried everything they could. They, you know, they had their virtual stuff. You know, I'm sure there was still game plans. It's not like they didn't try, right? Obviously they tried, but like just with all the moving parts, I think what's going to be important to look at in this game is that, again, not necessarily making excuses, but it's pretty clear to see that it's not necessarily indicative of like the Patriots talent or anything like that in terms of what we saw on Sunday. It's just quite simply, you know, both Cam Newton's first game back and just the simply just the lack of time being able to plan together as a team. I think that's going to be important as we kind of get into some of the more specifics to keep that in mind. Yes, no doubt. Um, and like you mentioned, not like now with the NFL's new rules about COVID and stuff, you can go on the COVID list even if you're not the one who contracted COVID. So like Shaq Mason, the Patriots starting right guard, was like told like the day before, nope, you're not playing because you were in close contact with someone who had it. So it's like, okay, now we're putting people on the list who don't even have it. I, yeah, I, know, and, I know it's for safety, but like that sucks. Yeah, and you know what, Kurt? I think that's a perfect place to start unless you object. 
starting right guard meant that our offensive line was objectively hilarious to try to like figure out who was even starting where they were starting and what they were even doing because yeah. uh that game was a disaster from the offensive line so Isaiah Wynn, who's our typical left tackle, who's normally nails, he's been so good this year, shifts to left guard. Terrible. He was <laughs> terrible. Shout out Jason Lublin. Terrible. Yeah. Jason has some thoughts on him. You can't win with win at left guard. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, and that shifted Joe Tooney to this play center. And Tooney was fine, aside from he made a catastrophic error when the Patriots were driving. They were on the Broncos' 19-yard line, and he snapped the ball over Cam Newton's right shoulder, like well above it, <sighs> like a 16 yard loss on the second down play. The Patriots were driving, so that drive was over. Uh, had to settle for a field goal, but um, then Illuminor, the right tackle, gets hurt, <laughs> so he goes out of the game, which then bumps Michael and Wayne from right guard to right tackle, and they bring in Froholt, the Danish, what they have a. Danish dump truck or something. His funny, <laughs> a, a funny name for him. Um, but he, Bruno, his first ever NFL game, there were 31 uh, like plays, I guess, since when he went in the game. And he was like on the stat sheet, he was clean. He didn't allow pressure. He didn't allow to run stuff. He didn't allow a sack, a knockdown, anything. So like there's depth along this Patriots offensive line. It's just like, there's no chemistry. And I know from talking with people who, you know, like my buddy Jake, who, you know, his, I know his, his career was successful and he, he got a shot in the pros. And he's like, there is so much importance to the chemistry amongst the offensive line. And when you just plug in place different guys periodically throughout the game, it's really hard to have that chemistry and that communication to, you know, swap. Like if, if you have rushers coming and one, uh, you got to pass them off. And if there's no communication or no understanding of who has who and when, uh, then there's going to be problems. And you saw that uh, Cam Newton threw two interceptions and both of those passes were deflected. Uh, one was at the line of scrimmage and then once was deflected by a linebacker. But like uh, the line was far from perfect. I will say this, though, as I was watching the game, I thought the line was way worse than they actually were. Like during the game, I was like, Cam's getting sacked because our receivers can't separate which is partly true. But looking back, Cam also held onto the ball for way too long, way too many times. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And I think, you know, sometimes we have that tendency to like hyper-focus on certain things during the game that can kind of influence your perceptions on what actually happens. So that's fair. You know, again, it's it's rarely ever it's 100% on one player or one position group. So I will give you that. But I just thought that that like there was, it just kind of, again, not saying it started there but like it, i feel like everything kind of came off of from that like there was that one catastrophic error that you just mentioned in terms of the snap the run game was like that definitely suffered at times because again like it's really hard to you know have this efficient run game behind an offensive line that like has never played together before Correct. cam at the same time there were definitely a lot of times where he got no protection coupled with a lot of the times where he held onto the ball way too long it just seemed like everything just was kind of thrown together in this uh, kind of like perfect but also imperfect combination of like bad things happening however it was even more frustrating because we still had a chance to win the game despite all of that which i'm still getting fired up about because we had no business winning that game and we easily could have and yeah. should have yes it's 
it's funny because watching Denver's defense against the Patriots offense, Denver's defense had absolutely no fucking respect for the Patriots passing game. They're like, we're going to blitz you on every single play because you have no line chemistry. You have nobody who's going to, we're going to send one more guy and your receivers won't be able to separate and Cam's going to get sacked or something bad's going to happen. And they, yeah, and, and by the end of the game, you know what that resulted in? Us throwing like multiple Julian Edelman trick play, like quarterback throw. Like I was like, we can't even run our normal plays because no. we just can't do anything. <laughs> if <laughs> want to hear a ridiculous stat. Sure. Fire, throw one at me. <laughs> Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman. Okay. The two of them. If you combined their reception yards oh God. and double it, Cam Newton had more receiving yards in this game. Because <laughs> he had that one from Edelman. Oh, my God. That's so bad. <laughs> Nikhil Harry had zero yards, and Edelman had like 12. So oh God, really, is... really fucking great stuff. That's that does tough. lead me to my next point, though. Nikhil Harry's first target was the last pass of the game. That that simply cannot happen. Yeah. I. That's another one of those things that's like very questionable. I, I don't understand how that happens either. I guess, again, like I know I keep coming back to this. I'm kind of stuck on this, so just bear with me, Kurt, as I keep saying this. Broncos, Drew Locke, 10 of 24, not great. Two picks, not great. 34.9 QBR, not or his rating, whatever. His QBR was 19.7, not great. They did not score a touchdown, Kurt. They had six field goals. That is absolutely terrible. If, you, if I had told you that, before the game, the Broncos would score 18 points, no touchdowns, and Drew Lock would throw two picks. In what world would you not bet a quin bazillion dollars on the Patriots to win that game? It makes no sense. Bill Belichick had never lost a game before where he didn't give up a touchdown. Ever. Yeah. Bill yeah, Belichick's which, like a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's it's so bad, dude. Like <sighs> Cam Newton did have 76 rushing yards, which is great, but Throwing the ball was very, very pedestrian. James White loved the team in receptions with eight for 65. But outside of James White, dude, it was like Demir Bird, who had three for 38. Ryan Izzo had three for 38. But I actually did think Izzo played well, aside from that fumble. The Patriots were driving again. A beautiful play action pass to Izzo over the middle. Doesn't tuck the ball away, gets knocked out. Turnover. Um, so they had the Patriots had two interceptions, the Ryan Izzo fumble. So they turned the ball over three times, or was it four times? It, I thought it was four, but maybe it was only three. Lost track. So many. And then, like, Julian Edelman, two receptions for eight yards? What? Like, yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this. <laughs> Edelman was coming off the field on third downs. Yeah, I saw that. Like, what world is this? That's that's why like it's definitely important to start this conversation by noting the practice issues like that's to start with. But on the other hand, you can't really fully explain a lot of what we saw by that. Like it it is a big part of it, but it's also like what's going on. Like is that the kind of Julian Edelman is washed conversation you started you know in recent weeks? Is that what's happening? Was it like a preparation thing? Was it a intentional thing? Like I, there's. There's just a lot of question marks. I, I don't have any answer for you about that or just like a lot of those things that were happening in this game. Here's a couple more questions that I have. Okay. okay. Ask them. So first and foremost, I do think Ryan Izzo played well. Like he had three receptions, three targets. Okay. So that was good. I, I think Cam does have confidence in him. But at what point are we going to start to see Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene? 
Dalton Keene has been a healthy and active every single game this year, and Asiasi hasn't even seen a target. Yeah, and especially because everyone was talking about how intentional those draft picks were. Right. I hard agree with you. I don't know if again, if it is it because we just they it's been harder for them to get up to speed with all the stuff going on with COVID and practice stuff. Is it that or is it like a lack of confidence in them? Or I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, but I agree, especially when it seems like we need pass catchers. You have two right there. How long is it going to take for them to get more involved in the game plan? I started to answer the question in my head as I was saying it out loud. I I know that I've seen this in the past that with a full rookie mini camp and a full OTAs and a full preseason of games, Rob Gronkowski's um, first year in the league, he didn't really play at all until week 10. So I think it might be a combination of how complex the Patriots system is and so on and so forth. But Asiasi has been playing like 35-ish percent of the snaps on offense and can't even see a target. I'm like, what in the world is going on there? Yeah, and so, we're no longer living in the Tom Brady world of like you need to be like inner circle friends with his kids to get a target in the game. Like it's You no have longer. to kiss Tom Brady's kids on the lips. On to be the lips, twice on Sundays. So yeah, so that, it is weird. Yeah, I, just, I, I would like to see them get a little bit more involved going forward, but we will see how that goes. Um, my second question is basically... When the Patriots went up-tempo, four receivers on the field pretty much, or three, three in the tight end, against Seattle in the second half, when they had to score quick, it worked so well. And I know that Seattle's defense has been really not that good this year. But wouldn't, wouldn't you try that a little bit more if it worked so well? Yeah, and I remember saying to you after that game, I was like, we need to start throwing it more vertically down the field than horizontally yeah. because that was what seemed to work. And like, again, I'm not a, I'm not necessarily the smartest football brain. Obviously, you have a lot more experience on that end. But like, neither of us are know what's happening in Belichick's war room. But like, it's very clear that like when we do do that, it has seemed to work and it has seemed to work well. So the question is, why are we not doing that more? Yes, I agree. Um, I will give credit where credit is due offensively. Okay. Well, there's not much, but <laughs> you know how, when the Patriots signed Cam Newton, I immediately ran to Twitter and tweeted the play where he didn't jive on the fumble. Oh, and- yep. Okay. This is you. I this hand up. I see what you're doing. Continue. So I was like, this man has no heart, blah, 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 blah. Coincidentally, that game was also against the Broncos. Mm. Anyway, uh, there was a point in this game where Cam got absolutely rocked from a blindside hit, fumbled the ball. Cam is on the ground, springs back up to his feet, ru- sprints, and then launches himself toward the ball, and he recovers the fumble that literally looked like it had no business becoming the Patriots' ball, but because of Cam hustling and making an effort play, the Patriots retained possession. So... Shout out to Cam Newton. You literally uh, hand up to on me, point the finger back at myself. Um, you know, Cam, you can't judge a player off one play. So I'm I'm very glad Cam Newton's here. Credit to you for admitting that, Kurt. Big, big credit to you. Did you catch any of Cam Newton's uh, Monday morning interview? That I've seen I, any of the quotes. I don't usually like watch any of that stuff. I sometimes I'll see it like on the like on Twitter. Like people will take snippets from it, and I'll like see the the quotes from it. But I don't remember did, why was there something that came out. Cam was full of quotes this week. Um, 
I need to find some of them. Bruno, I'm going to ask you to filibuster. filibuster. Okay. So, but like, remember the filibuster I made you do last week that lasted approximately yeah, sh- 42 seconds? The shortest filibuster of all time? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Let why. me find some of his Cam Newton quotes. Okay, so find some of those quotes. I'm just going to continue talking. Um, I think that Cam Newton is good. I don't think he looked good against the Broncos, but I do think that we will get back to our winning ways moving forward. Okay, found it. Boom. Okay, I didn't know where I was going with that, so thank God. <laughs> so he was just, he literally has he could have a future in coming up with inspirational posters because he was full of so many of them he was talking about like i don't point fingers i point i point my thumb pointing back <laughs> himself. I was like oh yeah cam <laughs> this was the quote that that got me the sky might be falling around here the next couple days but listen i'll bring my umbrella and my raincoat to get the job done hey let's Come go on, cam. Let's Come on, go. Cam! Bring the umbrella. Bring your bring your coat. Get the rain boots, and let's go back to work. Let's get to work. Hashtag do your job. Do your job. So, obviously, the Patriots' offense has issues. Okay, I will flip this over to the defense, who was put into some ridiculously tough situations. Both the Patriots' turnovers were in. Uh, Patriots territory so Denver recovered not having to go very far Patriots held the Broncos to six field goals um, like we already mentioned but the third down defense from the Patriots was phenomenal I would still like to see them be able to stop the run better Philip Lindsay had a bunch of success running the ball but you know they had to put Dietrich wise a defensive end in playing a three technique because <laughs> Byron Cowart was hurt um, as a run stuffer there was um, well actually he's not hurt he's on COVID Adam Butler gets hurt. People like thought he broke his elbow. Like he, the, he went down and the team immediately was like yelling for the trainers to come on the field. So your two, two of your beefy guys in the middle were out and the Broncos were like, okay, shit, we're going to either throw the ball deep or Philip Lindsay's going to run. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. I think segueing off that point, I think I texted you after like the first possession from the Broncos and kept texting you all game. I was like, oh my God, the Broncos are just taking shot after shot after shot down the field. Like they were not afraid to air it out. So credit to our secondary for surviving that barrage. And like my biggest takeaway from the defense is it's the absolute classic. We used to see more of this back when our defense wasn't as good as it is these days, but it's always the classic Belichick, right? It's Ben don't break. Literally. That's what it was, right? Six field goals, no touchdowns. That's the definition of Ben don't break. I I am so impressed every time the Patriots secondary takes the field at how fucking good they are. Like, it's absurd how good they are. Stephon Gilmore was great. J.C. Jackson was great. He had an interception. Um, Jason Jonathan McCourty, Jones. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Jason McCourty. No, yeah, but Jason McCourty got burned on that first pass play for 41 yards, which was a clear push off, but we'll just we'll forget that. Whatever. Jonathan Jones received a 90.2 coverage grade from Pro Football Focus as the number two performance from a quarterback, a cornerback in 2020. He was one of, when they were targeting him, he was one of seven with four pass breakups and a pick. That's pretty good. And all of those were like challenged deep. Jonathan Jones had a career day. Yeah, and we needed it. And I, it feels weird saying that in a game we didn't win, but like huge part of the reason why literally we were driving down the field in our last possession with even a chance to win the game. Yes. Um, but also part of this is the stupidity by the Broncos when they're up late in the game like that. Oh my God. They threw an interception. JC they I, drew, uh, drew lock threw an interception that JC Jackson picked off. And then immediately on the next, on the next Broncos offensive play with a chance to run out one. the clock 
Another one. Drew Locke drops back a five-step drop. Another one. Another one. He throws the ball deep another time. And uh, <laughs> Jonathan Jones picks it off. And it gives the Patriots a chance to go down and win the fucking game. That just made me laugh. That was so stupid. I could not believe like that. And then watching his reaction to where he was so confused. It's like, bro, what what did you that has not been working for you? What did you think was going to happen? I mean, it was a crazy interception by Jonathan Jones, but at the same time, like, what are you doing? Also, like, did you see him praying on the sideline? He was like, oh my god, please don't lose this game. Yeah, well, he uh, we would have we would have known why they lost if they uh, if they ended up losing. So absolutely. do you have any more real takeaways from this game? Well, Kurt, we lost the War of 1812, but there are more battles to be fought. I like that. That's a really good ending to that. Um, real quick. The trade deadline is quick, quickly approaching. Do the Patriots need to go out and make a move, in your opinion, to go get another tight end or another wide receiver in order to take the next step? I, I personally think, yes, you have to do it. I, I don't think necessarily tight end because, like you said, I like Izzo and I, we have the two waiting. So, like, tight end is less for me. I wouldn't complain if we did, but tight end is less for me. Wide receiver, absolutely. And there are, like, targets by targets. I mean, wide receivers out there who we've always been spec- – like, A.J. Green comes to mind. John Ross. Um, same team. John Ross on the same team. Yeah, exactly. There are definitely receivers out there on the mar- on the market who could be – you know, available should uh, the Patriots come knocking with potentially some draft picks or whatever. But yeah, I mean, our receivers, we don't know what's happening. You just talked about Edelman coming off the field a bunch and showing his age. I think we definitely could use another receiver to kind of take both to take the pressure off the current receivers and allow that free them up a bit and then take the pressure off Cam to feel like he has to do everything himself. Yes, I agree 100%. Um, Let's really quickly preview the 49ers game. What I thought was going to be... uh, I remember at the beginning of the season, I thought the 49ers were going to be a very, very good team, but not as good as they were last year, but that the Patriots would win this game. Um, the Patriots are coming off a terrible game. The 49ers are coming off of a very good game. So hopefully the Patriots bounce back, have a week of practice under their belt. Hopefully, knock on wood, no more no more COVID tests uh, that come back positive. They can get a full week of practice in. Um, even Bill Belichick said it. He's like, you know, we competed, but God, we just need to be out in the field. We need to be. We need to practice together. We need to be around each other. Um, it, there's only so much you can do when everything's remote for two weeks. You know, um, when other teams are practicing, like the Broncos are practicing together the whole time. So, um, hopefully, the Patriots bounce back this week. I, I think about the Patriots and how they're going to attack the 49ers and what what do the what do the 49ers do best? Well, they run play action. They get George Kittle the ball. Um, and I think Bill Belichick's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take away Kittle, and I'm gonna make you beat me with Ayuk or uh, who's the young guy they have out there? Um, it's a wide receiver. What like you mean running back? Because they have a bunch of running backs. D- so good. Debo. Oh, Debo Samuel. Is he there? I think he's there. They're they the Panthers. Yeah. Oh no, Debo Samuel's a yeah Panthers. I don't remember. They have Ayuk and someone else. Um, but basically, I I think Belichick's gonna try to do something to come up with stopping Kittle or at least limiting him while trying to most are their running back apparently is going to be out. So that's, yeah, I was just going to say that I, here's my thing, Kurt. Uh, Belichick has watched Jimmy G for uh, his. Okay. Then yes, we got that right. Credit to our brains. 
Belichick watched Jimmy G on the Patriots for all that time. He has a pretty firm grasp, I would hope, on what he does well and what he doesn't do well. So that's going to be helpful for game planning purposes. Like you said, I imagine a large part of the defensive game plan is going to be shutting down Kittle. Mostert being out as one of their running backs helps us a lot. So I, again, I'm not that I'm necessarily confident entirely like I was you know, stupidly on, on Sunday, but coming off of the Broncos loss definitely deflates it a little bit, but assuming everybody's healthy, that can be healthy. And assuming we can actually practice, which you can't assume both those for sure. But if that is the case, I would still take us to win, especially because the 49ers are coming to new England, right? We're back at, we're, we're at home. We're in a place of comfort 49ers. You know, they always say that going cross country yep. doesn't, you know, isn't great. So like you're adding that onto it as well. And I just think that like, you know, Jimmy G, yes, he did have a bounce back game this week. Rams secondary, however, is not the Patriots secondary. That is very obvious. So I think, you know, again, we shut down their best weapons. We play back to a solid game. And I think hopefully we're going to be sitting here next week talking about how awesome of a bounce back game it was against the 49ers. And I'll leave you with this, right? The Patriots have dropped two games in a row to the Chiefs and now to the Broncos. I don't No, I'm going to call it what it is. I think it's a must win game. I don't think the Patriots can afford to lose three games in a row, drop to two and four. Um, I'm going to say this is must win. I, I, I'll never get it. I'll never bet against Bill Belichick. Um, so with, with that in mind, I, 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 I like the chances of them bouncing back this week. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. Anything else, Bruno? Are you good? Oh, I'm Gucci Tucci, Kurtai. Well, fingers crossed now that I'm able to, uh, edit this bad boy and get it out there. I hope I really, really, really hope this works. Yeah. Me, you know, uh, me too. Yeah, me too. Well, with that being said, we will catch you next time on Playing the Field. That was not synced up, but that's okay. We tried. We tried. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.